people in eternity. That I am the high and holy one and I am not tied to time as you are. Comprehend the mind of Christ. I have heard the voice of your supplication. I am going to send upon those who are prepared and hungry a fresh anointing. It will not come upon those who seek it for self-aggrandizement and self-praise. But upon those who will humble their hearts before me in this meeting, I, the Lord, declare that I will send upon you the anointing that you have prayed for. You will leave here with a fresh endowment of power. I have sent my angels before you, and they have prepared the way. Yea, I promise, I am the Lord thy God, and I lie not. Receive that that I am ready to give unto you. I have heard your cry. For many, many did. God used it, Brother Urshan, across this great fellowship to bring revival in camp meetings, special conferences. I can remember many, many years ago when we'd go to meetings, Brother Urshan get through preaching, there was a tremendous altar service. Always. This was one of the trademarks of his great ministry was the effect it had upon people and the climax around the altar, people crying out to God. It is not by accident that we have a leader like this. Because for such a time as this, God has raised up Brother Urshan to be our leader. Those who do not believe in revival are not having revival. Those who do not want revival will never experience it. But to some of us who believe it with all of our heart, we are experiencing a mighty move of God in these last days. And you are here because you believe in revival. I want the ministry to welcome our general superintendent tonight. How many preachers do we have under the age of 36? Would you stand? Under the age of 36. Now just remain standing. This meeting was designed and requested and, and set in motion for you young ministers. Not just for you, but primarily to reach you, to give you a direction. You'd know something about soul winning. You'd know how to pray. Learn how to pray. Learn how to love the lost. That's why we have because of the times. It was born in the hearts of Elder Mangan and Brother Anthony Mangan because there were so many young preachers in our fellowship that wanted a direction for their lives. Now, many, many hundreds of young people, young ministers through the years have found that definite direction. And you that have come here, this is your first meeting. I have a strong feeling by the time it's over midnight or after on Thursday night, you're going to know why you're here. You're going to know the reason for it all. And you're going to know where you're going. 
And I wonder how many of you young ministers here tonight really appreciate a general superintendent who wants a mighty move of God around this world. All right. Thank you. Now those ministers that are... Thank you. This is a blessed meeting, and several years previous to this, when this all began, we saw through the fact that the Mangans were very, very anxious to bring it to pass, and it has exceeded our fondest expectations. It really has. Uh, the meetings have been owned of God, they've been beautifully anointed by the Holy Ghost, and I want to thank Brother and Sister Mangan, the elder Mangans, and the younger Mangans, Brother and Sister Anthony Mangan, uh, not only for their interest in what is important for the ongoing church, but their deep prayerful intercession that adds a tremendous dimension to what happens in this building. I want to thank the uh, church in Alexandria. Is it called the Pentecostals now? I say it used to be the first Pentecostal Church of Alexandria. Now it's the Pentecostals of Alexandria. And I want you to know that uh, through the years, my personal relationship with these people has developed the profoundest of admiration. There are very few people that uh, really fully recognize what these good people have done. I know that you know the Mangans by their fine ministry. I know that you know them because you see them in leadership areas throughout our fellowship. But you have to know them personally. And you have to know the heartbeat of these people. These people truly love the Lord Jesus Christ. They really truly love the Lord Jesus. You let me take a little time here. I know you don't mind time. Who cares about time? Who cares about time? You don't care about time, Bill Harden. I know you don't. Praise God. Uh, I like long meetings anyhow. Yes, amen. Long board meetings. Yes, sir. I like them long. Anywhere, anywhere where all the uh, good folk, all, all, anywhere where all the good folk gather together to lift up the name of the Lord. Praise God. I love them. We have the slogan, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Praise God. And I believe we're going to be saved by enduring to the end. But in connection with that, uh, you see the fruit of their hands, the fruit of their ministry. And the church here at Alexandria sets a beautiful stage for what happens here because prayer constantly rises from these prayer rooms. And there's a constant praise that comes up from this audience and it's easy to preach here, Brother Michael Williams. My Lord, have mercy how you preached. Yeah. 
greased with the Holy Ghost, praise God, and opened his heart and let the Lord speak through him. And tonight, I did not know that they were going to sing that song, Father, Make Us One. I had no idea about it. I'm going to preach on the subject, bring me your brother or you'll not see my face. And I want you to listen very carefully. I'm, I'm going to talk to you, and uh, I'm going to take my time and talk to you. I'm going to take my time. And I'm going to say some things to you tonight that I don't want you to misunderstand. Um, I want to explain this to you before you sit down, then you can sit down and talk about it. But I, I want to tell you that we need to break into some patterns that we have developed that need to be shattered and we need to open our souls to the mighty leadership of the Holy Ghost now, I'm not talking about opening our souls to just anything that comes along I'm talking about opening our souls to the moving of the Holy Ghost because whether we can understand it or not Almighty God is the author and giver of the Spirit and we do not influence him only by our obedience to him. And we don't influence him by our position of taking a stance of some kind that we think is correct because we did it. We influence him by earnest, fervent, diligent, intercessory prayer with an open heart to be led by the Holy Ghost. And when we do that and are led by that spirit, we have no fears we have no fears. I have no fear tonight of the doctrinal stand of the United Pentecostal Church. I love every bit of it. I love every bit of that doctrine. But I do have some other fears that are amongst us. Of things that have come amongst us. And we need to understand those things with a clarity. So that we do not forsake doctrine, but we don't forsake the commission. Praise God. What is the commission? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We can get reclusive and fold up into a corner. Or we can have a hand that is outstretched to every lost man and woman. And I'm not saying this because of a proud stance on doctrine. There are lost men and women in churches. And when I say churches, I'm talking about numerous churches. They're lost because somebody hasn't preached to them the beauty of the power of Jesus Christ. And we need to lift him up in the most unique way, in the most glorious way. Join me in prayer and ask the Lord to help us tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus, in the mighty name of our God. By the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost, we pray that you speak to our hearts and let us understand the purpose of the call of God. Thou who art able to do great and mighty things amongst us, let your mighty hand be bared. Let your strong arm be extended to us. Let the name of our God be glorified. Let precious people be moved and touched. Let healing, healing power sweep across this audience. Let the Holy Ghost power sweep across this audience. 
Let thy precious name come like the sun of righteousness with healing in its wings. Heal our backslidings. Forgive our sins. Help us with our mistakes. Show us our faults. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Expose our hearts in your presence. Help us to be honest with ourselves. We're looking at such a needy world. And we want to be your vessels somehow. To be vessels used by your precious Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 Oh Lord help us tonight. We'll thank you for it. We'll thank you for it. Please remain standing while I read to you the scriptures. I'm reading from second epistle of Peter. And I'm beginning to read at the ninth verse. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Second Peter, second chapter. And to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh... In the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. I want you to remember that because in what I'm bringing to your attention tonight, it has all the elements of presumptuous sin. And when we talk about presumptuous sin so that it is clearly understood, it actually means overstepping bounds. Overstepping bounds. If you want to check it in the dictionary, please by all means do so. Genesis 43 and 3 is a very, very touching verse, but it has a volume of meaning. I trust that God Almighty will let me open your heart to what he showed me in connection with this. And I want you to notice how it is spoken. Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. We are looking at revival territory. I am absolutely convinced that we are going to have revival. I'm absolutely convinced. I think uh, uh, several newspaper articles in recent days have pinpointed something that we need to look at very carefully. Just recently, it was published in the paper that by 2010, if the Presbyterian Church continues to lose members the way they have in recent years, there will be no Presbyterian Church by 2010. Another newspaper article came out saying by 2020, of course, all this is dependent upon the coming of the Lord, by 2020, There'll be only two churches in the earth, the Catholics and the Pentecostals.
Whether you realize it or not, there is a great, great burgeoning movement of Pentecostals. I'm going a little further with that because if it is the Catholic Church that still exists in that time, the base of the Catholic Church is Trinitarianism. And the fact that we are sometimes placed in a position where we're called a cult because we do not believe in a tritheistic Trinitarian doctrinology. They call us a cult. I'm not going to go into all that. This young man tonight told you who the Lord was and who the Lord is. And I think this audience understands that carefully. But I also want to say that in connection with that, anything tritheistic or Trinitarian will have to go home to its mother. And it's a dangerous position to hold anything that does not have a biblical foundation. And if you think that holding some kind of position that's not biblical, we need to take a look at ourselves and recognize that even though we may be doctrinally clean, we may be spiritually debased. And I think that that's important for us. I think to whom much is given, to whom much is given, much is required. That's what the scripture says. And I think sometimes we have gotten into position that the revival that is going to come is just going to automatically come because we talk about it and preach about it. But there's two things I want you to recognize in regard to the needs of this, our people. I'm talking to us tonight. If those are here listening in, fine. Listen in. We talk to each other about it. During because of the times, there'll be some more talking about it. But I want you to note, there is a very specific need for us to have a love for one another. I'm not talking about a facade. I'm not talking about saying words just blithely or just easily. I love you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a rich, full concern that has a real relationship with people of like precious faith. If we don't love one another, I want you to know the devil will not love us. We can't substitute another love for the love that God has given us. It is that divine agape that he puts in our hearts. And we have to understand that not only do we love one another, but we need to love all mankind. Praise God. Jesus did not die for the United Pentecostal Church alone. He died for the whole wide world. We seem to forget that. We get into the little cocoon that we have woven for ourselves. And we forget that he died for the whole world. John said it very beautifully. He said, he is the propitiator of my sins, our sins, but no, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. How many understand that? Do you really understand that? Every unwashed person that's not touched by his blood, cleansed and sanctified, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And who has not been beautifully 
anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost has a need. And you and I have to be willing to have the kind of love that reaches out to them. Let me make a differentiation here so that you understand why I'm going. In connection with what I read to you about if you don't bring your brother, you'll not see my face again. I want you to know that there are there is a brotherhood of man. Now please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about ecumenical churchanity. There is a brotherhood of man. We all came out of Adam. Whether you want to recognize it or give it any kind of uh, respect or not. We were all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. The joy we have tonight came through the cross. What we enjoy tonight came by a tremendous sacrifice. It came from one who did not play partiality with any individual or groups. The God I serve is non-partial. He is impartial. He doesn't consider, he doesn't consider another greater than another in his sight. Only by virtue of how they obey him. Only by virtue of his approval. It's not sectarian approval that God's looking at. He is looking at individual approval. Who are you? What are you? What do you believe? How do you live? How do you act toward other people? How do you conduct yourself as a child of God? All of that is very important to us. And somehow we get the strange idea that we can be filled with the Holy Ghost, have the name of the Lord upon our heart, and hate other people. There's no hate in the church of the living God. It has no roots in the church of the living God. When I got the Holy Ghost, one thing I knew happened. I did have some hate in my heart. It wasn't toward cultures or groups. It was toward people that I didn't like. How many have met some folks you didn't like? Well, I wish that they'd fall down and break a leg or something of that nature. You've wished that many times. Let me say to you tonight, there's some of you preaching here tonight that wished you were God for a few hours. You'd kill a few folk. I'm glad he didn't let you be God for a few hours. I'm glad he didn't let me be God for any length of time. I've had a few I'd like to shoot. You know, that this is, this is something that's part of a human dimension. But it doesn't have the touch of the love of God. I'll never forget this happening. And I know that sometimes they get a little concerned about you and I talking about our father, uh, our two precious father ministers, brother, uh, Kilgore. But, uh, you can't help but talk about people who are beautiful examples. And, uh, we had a man uh, come to our house that had caused trouble in the church. And uh, when I heard about the trouble that he caused my dad, I, I de developed and gleefully developed a distinct dislike for him. I thought about what I could do to make him feel bad. Yeah. I thought, spit in his face, kick him in the shames, it caused trouble. You remember the name, brother, uh, brother Chambers, if I mention it, he was German. And you will remember Dr. Dykeman. Well, he had come to the church, been baptized. He was quite a character. Got the Holy Ghost, apparently. And not only that, but 
In a little while, this man was causing real trouble in the church. And, of course, as the preacher's son, I was for my dad. You understand that, Abe? You understand that? I was for my dad. So one day, the bell rang. It was early in the morning. I'd seen some of the problems that were caused. And there was Dr. Dykeman standing at the door. I opened the door, saw him, turned around, just let the door slam in his face. Went back and said to my dad, your enemy's at the door. And he looked at me and said, my enemy, who's my enemy? Well, I said, you know who your enemy is? Well, he said, no, I really don't. And the man was sincerely honest. He said, I don't even know who you're talking about. I said, Dr. Dykeman. He said, what did you do? I said, I opened the door and slammed in his face. He said, you go out there and bring that man in this house and act like a Christian. I went to the door, brought him in the house. He brought him to the kitchen. He said, come on in the kitchen, Dr. Dykeman. He said, how do you like your eggs? I thought, eggs? Why don't he feed him arsenic? How do you like your eggs? Sunny side up. Fix the eggs. How do you like your toast? I like it dark. Brought him the toast. I sat there wishing that there was a bone in the eggs and something in the toast. And while he ate, my dad just blessed him. God bless you, sir. I love you, sir. God bless you, sir. And a little bit, the man was weeping. He was weeping. He broke down and started to weep. He said, I came here today to tell you off. But since I've walked in this home, all you've done is blessed me. All you've done is reached out a hand of love to me. I come here to tell you now that I love you, sir. And I ask your forgiveness for all the things I've done. When he left, I can still feel the pat on my head. My dad patted me on the head and said, have you learned anything, son? Oh, friend, there's some things you and I need to learn. And let me say, when we come to this matter, I'm not talking about cheap preaching. I'm not talking about compromise against sin. If ever the church need to stand against unrighteousness, it's in this hour. Let me give you the two areas, the love of God and preaching against the unrighteousness of our times. We have some wicked things going on, and it's sweeping into the church, and it's touching people who were one time really in tune with God, and they've been caught up with the permissive age. But when it comes to this matter of the developing of a hate, hate has a way of building itself up through the years, and though the hate's not intensified, it takes on a pattern of action and it becomes a way of living now I want you to note what happened in this instance this is the story about Joseph you're all familiar with it I'm not going into all the meanings of all the little areas that took place in the life of these people but the life of that family was predicated upon bringing Benjamin to Joseph and if he had not brought Benjamin to Joseph, you and I have to sit and look a little bit at this. That was not just a little circle of a family some thousands of years ago. That was promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what took place there could have had a bearing on the church now. 
You understand what I'm saying? What took place there had a bearing on the church now. We get the strange idea that we can act any way, live any way, entertain any kind of a spirit any way we want, and it has no influence. It has a lot of influence. It has a lot of heavy influence. It has a lot of devastating influence. It has influence for harm or if you love God, it has influence for good. I am searching my heart tonight. I ask you to search yours. I'm asking myself, do you dislike anybody? Do you have feelings against any man? Do you have feelings against anybody in the church of the living God? Do you harbor a feeling that sometime somebody who may have done you a little harm, God will deliver into your hands. And sometimes he lets it happen to see what you'll do with it when it does happen. And you rise and fall on the basis of how you act when it does happen. And if you love God and walk with God and somebody does move into an area of opposition against you, you'll find yourself developing feelings that you should not entertain. And then you'll feel someday the law of sowing and reaping will take place and I'll have my opportunity. But friend, when you get that opportunity, you know what you do? You do just what Jesus did. He ignored the opportunity to destroy. He could have destroyed his opposition. He didn't destroy his opposition. He did not come to condemn the world. The world was condemned already. He came to inject into the atmosphere of this world and into the hearts of the people that were to be his church. A spirit of love. And that spirit of love will cover a multitude of sins. I think we ought to praise God here by understanding that we need the spirit of love. <laughs> Through the years, many things happen, and you'll see them happen. Injustices against the innocent. We have watched that. We have seen hatred build up by mistakes in judgment. We've seen schisms in the body provoked by irritating wrongs perpetrated one against another. We've seen factions that are promoted because of personal ambitions. And we have seen presumption of sin. It's a very serious matter. It's sin committed to do right we know to do but deliberately do wrong. And the deception that's dangerous is the fact that you feel God won't let it happen to me. But it will happen to you. And God does not play partiality. He does not play partiality. You can't break and transgress his law and think that you can escape because you have some kind of a name or some kind of a reputation. Reputation doesn't mean anything with God. If it did, when it comes to the matter of sin, Moses would not have been kept out of the promised land. David would never have been exposed. The great and beautiful creature, Lucifer, was cast out of heaven. Great names, great reputations have been brought low because of sin. God plays no games of partiality. It doesn't matter who it's in. 
And it's just a matter of time. Someone said not long ago, somebody lied on you, Brother Hurston. I said, I can't help it. Someone said, why don't you go straighten it out? Said, take me all, all year and two or three more years to straighten out some other lies. What can you do to stop folks that want to pass on a little something about you? They'll do it and they'll do it to anyone they want. That's why it calls presumptuous they are. Speak, speaking evil of dignitaries. Now I'm not talking about myself. Any child of God filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a son of God is a dignitary. They're a dignitary. They belong to the king. And you just can't say anything you want about something you don't even know. We've practiced some of this. We've even gotten to little corners with our factions. And we have talked about people. And we brought them low. God help us. And then we say we want revival. Oh, friend, my God doesn't give revival cheaply. He wants to cleanse us of all that kind of thing. He does not want us tearing down his precious children. Oh, hear, hear it. This is one of the most remarkable things. Our pattern of living needs a changing. It needs a changing. Here is the brothers of Joseph standing before him. They had hated him. Hated him. Envious over the coat his father made. Envious over the vision the man had. The man had. The sheaves will bow down before me. The stars, the moon, and the sun will bow down before me. He was telling them what God gave him. And then in those lonely years, down in Egypt, down in prison, away from his family, don't you know his heart ached? Don't you know there was a spirit that cried out to God? Don't you know this man never, never, never complained? Never, never said anything unkind. Never had any nasty words about anybody. The Bible said he had an excellent spirit. He never allowed anything to poison his tongue against the feelings that he had. And you cannot put a man down. You cannot destroy a man that has that kind of a spirit. If he will not retaliate against you, God will take his battle up. God will take his battle up. God will bring vengeance where men would try to bring vengeance. And you do a cheap job of it. When God gets through with it, friend, he'll humble men to the ground. You and I have to understand that premise of God. Here stands his brothers. They're standing before him. Don't know who he is. All they know is that here's the big ruler. The man that was in prison. The hated man. The despised man was God's man. Risen to position of power in the world. Would you stop with me a little bit and do some thinking about it? Hear what it says. This man, Joseph, God selected to put at the top of a world in a time of need. 
This is not out of the character of God's premise. He can take men and put them in auspicious places at necessary times in world affairs. As well as in church affairs. And anoint them and lead them and make them saviors of the world. Oh, church, we need to wake up. We sit in the midst of a great nation. We sit in the midst of a needy time. The United Pentecostal Church is thrust into a defensive position, sometimes by what men call us. We should let that stuff just float by and never let it get in this head or in this heart or in this spirit or in this system of ours. We need to ignore it and preach on. The gospel of truth is the truth that saves and sanctifies. Truth is an anchor. Truth is a foundation. Truth will never be destroyed. All you have to do is stand on the truth. And it will not be destroyed. You can destroy yourself by subverting to cheap manners, to subtle ways, to devious methods, to the cunning of your brain. To the thought the devil will plant in your mind. But those who love God say, that shall never enter my mind. I have lived with saints in my lifetime. Please excuse me for the personal reference. I have lived with saints. My father was a saint of God. I say that without hesitation. He loved God. He loved truth. There was no animosity in his heart toward any man. He never spoke about animosity. You never heard a bitter word come out of his mouth. We thought everybody in the church were angels. Discovered that there was some fallen angels. He never talked about anybody. You'll remember that. Never would he say a word about anybody. Even if it was justified in saying. We thought everybody was great. We had that kind of a feeling. It was great to grow up like that. I'd lived with a lady for 47 years. I have never heard a hateful word out of her mouth. Never heard her say anything unkind about another person. I've never heard her say anything to down another person. I've heard something said. I said to her one day, I said, you remember what that lady did to you? She said, what was that? And I said, back in 1947, thus and so, thus and so. She said, I forgot that, Brother Urshan. You know what I did one time? I kept a list of something that a man in the church did in my back pocket. I put it in my wallet. Every time he did something that I knew he was doing against the church and me, I'd write it down. I thought, someday I'm going to really blast this old boy. I'm going to read it to him. And one day while the Holy Ghost fell on the church, I was looking at everybody rejoicing. And I thought, my God in heaven, what are they rejoicing about? And the Lord said, they can rejoice because they don't have a slip in their wallet. (laughs) Praise God. I took that slip out, tore it up, and went to rejoicing in the Lord. Because when you get that stuff out of your system, you can rejoice in the God of your salvation. And you can enjoy walking with the Lord. Man, there's enough hate. There's enough trouble. There's enough violence. 
Jesus, there's enough sin in this world to get us all tore up. Why entertain it? Hallelujah. Those poor, dirty Presbyterians are going to go to hell. This isn't your business. Your business is preaching the gospel. It's not your business to put people in hell. That isn't what God called you to do. It's not your business to get up and say, man, you're going to hell. I know you're going to hell. One man said to me one time, said, uh, am I going to hell? I said, I don't put people in hell. God's business is that kind of a situation. I'm too afraid to say somebody's going to hell. I might be with him when he goes. I'm a little afraid. You say you don't have to be afraid of truth. No, not truth. But your personal opinion in that respect isn't worth a cent. It really wasn't worth anything. And you don't have to put people in hell. All you have to say is repent. 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 And be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the Holy Ghost. That's God's message. My God in heaven, I got to say it to you. I've heard some preachers, and I prayed for them when I went home. My Lord, please give them a dream or a nightmare or something. Wake them up. Make them understand that it's not their responsibility to tear up people. This happened just recently in preaching back in the city of Indianapolis three weeks ago. I didn't know the man was in the audience. Had no idea he was in the audience. He was the father-in-law of my son. And Andy had been talking to him through several weeks. He'd come home to me one day and he said, Dad, if we could get Bernie in church one time, I think he'd come to God. I didn't know Bernie was in church that night. Halfway through the message, I had been preaching about the kind of things this man was doing, not knowing he was in the congregation. I spied him halfway through, and I thought, oh, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. He'll actually believe that I fixed it up for him. And when it came time to give the invitation, I saw Bernie walk down that aisle. As he walked down the aisle, he walked past me. He pointed his finger at me. He said, I know you didn't know I was here until late in your message, God was talking through you. The truth, the truth, the truth. Hold a man's heart. And after it was over with, he came to explain to me. He said, I knew you didn't know. And God was saying to me, the man is talking to you. 
You know what the difference between a Pentecostal service, Dr. Jimenez, and just another sort of a denominational situation it is? The Pentecostal Holy Ghost that's in the people who love the name of God when they are preaching the truth that's in their heart. God gives them something they never expected to preach while they're preaching. And it's the word of knowledge. And it puts people in a position where they understand God is talking to me. God is talking to me. He has that word of knowledge that he'll put in your heart to let you know something is happening. And something needs cleansing. And when it happens, the work of the Holy Ghost in the meeting. I like what you said, Brother Wright, a couple weeks ago when you said, burn those books and get a real Holy Ghost sermon out of the Bible. A spirit-filled church should pick up the book and get an anointed touch of God so that when they preach, they can feel and know God is directing the thoughts to people in the audience. It's important to us. Here it here comes uh, here comes a situation. Jesus really fixed the religionists of his day. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Man lying amongst thieves, dying. And when the priest comes by, the priest ignores him. Professional. We got some professional religionists. Somebody called one of our preachers the other day. Said somebody is in the hospital dying. He said, I don't pray for the sick. Somebody else does that. But there was nobody else there to do it. Heard a preacher say he didn't need to love the church. He worked as an assistant for a preacher. If you don't love the church or the people in the church, go drive a truck. <laughs> the sacred desk. If you don't have a love in your heart for the people of God, you got to have a love in your heart for the people of God. You don't belong behind the pulpit if you don't have that love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to develop that love by subjecting that nature that's in us. That wants to fight and wants to do things of harm to others. The priest was a professional. He ignored him. The Levite saw him. Walked by. He inherited his religion. Someone said, I inherited mine. Well, you can inherit it, but you need an experiential touch. You need the same beautiful power of God in your soul that others had. And the Lord God doesn't want you to pass by people. He humiliated them. He said, a good Samaritan came by. And those Sadducees and Pharisees didn't think there was such a thing as a good Samaritan. They were off, off breeds, out of the regular channel of God's divine blessing. They were half breeds, half Jewish, half Gentile. What could a Samaritan do? But he let them know that it doesn't mean that you have, that you have to be a religionist to have a feeling for another per person. But the outcast helped the outcast. Because he understood what an outcast was. And if you look around, look around you tonight. Where did you come from? Just where did you come from? What, what did you... What, were you some kind of king? Were you some lily white, beautiful, sweet cherub? 
you a stinking sinner. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. And when he saved you, do you get on your little horse and sit there and say, look at that dirty sinner. Friend, if everybody did that, nobody would be saved. The church has to have a feeling. A feeling. It's got to have a concern. Somebody says, I'm sure you've heard it, Dr. Jimenez. They have said about us that we don't love other people. They haven't been amongst us, sir. They haven't been amongst us, sir. I want you to go back and tell some of those folks, we love them. We love them. And if you want to talk to them about what we uh, stand for, tell them we are strong on the new birth. We believe you have to repent. We believe you have to be buried in the name of the Lord. We believe that you need to receive the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. We don't think it's the extra frosting on the cake. We think it's a necessity. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We believe it's a necessity and we don't play games with it. But that doesn't mean that we're looking down at people. We're not looking down at anybody. Because somebody didn't look down at us. Oh, they didn't look down at you, you rascal. I'm talking to Brother Arnold. God bless your heart. I was over the top of your head, Dr. Jimenez. The man behind you. Friend of Brooklyn gambler oh god have mercy there's nothing worse than a Brooklyn gambler they even got the speech toity toid street and toid avenue they talk like that and friend they are so lost but do you know how he reached down and saved this man he saved this man in his ungodly state, he brought us out with a mighty hand, set our feet on a beautiful rock, gave us the joy of his salvation, changed us. I'm glad he saved you. I'm so glad you're one of us. Look at Jonah. God sends him with a message of judgment. When he goes with the message of judgment, 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Up and down the streets of the city. And then through all that, Almighty God sees a prostrate people on their face. The king believed the message. Down on their face, beasts. Beasts and people prostrate. And God looked at it and saw it. And he repented of the evil that he was going to do to Nineveh. And the scripture says Jonah got up on that hillside. And actually he got a ringside seat to watch the judgment. And the Lord let a gourd grow over his head to shade him from the sun. It said the Lord let the gourd grow. And then the Lord let the worm that ate the gourd come and destroy the gourd. And he had mercy on the city. And he taught the preacher. 
that whenever God wanted to have mercy, he'd have mercy. And it didn't matter what the preacher preached about. But God sent him with the message. And the people changed the mind of God. I've got some folks down there that can't tell their right hand from their left hand. He was talking about the innocent children. They don't know the difference. I won't destroy the city because of them. That's God's mercy. When I think of his mercy, I want to weep. His mercy even came to me. You've got to look at it. God gave him the message. The people repented and he changed. Did you say it tonight, Brother Michael Williams, that he's going to put a dragnet out there and bring back all those backsliders? There are some of you folks going to leave the church when some backsliders come back because you think they ought to stay there the whole time. And there's a whole oneness group in this nation that says once you go back, you can't come back to God. I don't believe that. I believe God is merciful and I believe God can reach for me. And bring them back into his divine presence. Oh yes. That's why Joseph stood there as a type of the Lord. It's the call of the church. Bring me your brother. If you don't bring me your brother. You'll never see my face. And I'm here to tell you tonight. If you don't have love. For those in this world. Whether they be brothers in Adam. Or whether they be brothers of another kind. Whatever kind they are. If you don't have mercy. Upon the brother. And bring them to God. You will never see his face. You'll never see his face if you don't have that love. Oh, God, help me. Help me. Help us. If you noticed, if you noticed this in the Bible, I it came so beautifully while I was thinking about what Almighty God wanted us to bring to this great audience who has such a great desire for the things of God. I want you to get Job 42 for me, Brother Kilgore, if you will. And I want you to read from the 10th to the 13th verse. But it is this breaking up of the pattern of living. But I'd like for you to note, Jesus looked at Judas and called him friend. How could he do it? He knew what he was going to do. He said, there's one dipping in the dish with me. Who will betray me. And knew who the one was. When those disciples went to saying. Is it I Lord? Is it I? They were asking the question. He never even identified him. And Judas went out. And gave him that kiss of deception. The sad thing is. Judas died. Before Jesus died. And died before the blood could wash him. He died before Jesus died. There was no hope for him. But he took his own life. 
Jesus could have done it, but never did it. What are you, whatever you're going to do, friend, you do it quickly. Friend, God give us the ability to even call men friends. Oh, you say, United Pentecostal Church doesn't call men friends when they betray. But Jesus did. Well, that went over like an iron horse. But Jesus did. Jesus did it. He did it. And you and I need to understand that Jesus did it. Friend, what you're going to do, you want to do it as just quick as you can. He died before Jesus died. I never saw that before. That he died before he could feel the blood of sanctifying cleansing before the testament came into existence. He lost himself. Here's a man in trouble. Trouble like no man was in trouble. They say it's an allegory. I don't believe it is. The story of Job. I believe it's one of the greatest stories that's ever written in the Bible. And the Bible tells us he loses his wealth, his health. And he had a wife that didn't stand with him. And then his friends. I want you to know his friends heaped one accusation of guilt upon another on him. And called him anything but a good man. But Job went deep down into the distress and despair of adversity. I want you to read from the 42nd chapter of the book of Job, beginning at the 10th verse. Listen to this very carefully. It's beautiful. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job ah. when he prayed for his friends. When he prayed for his friends. Read. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much, twice as, he as, much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren, yes, his brethren, all his sisters, his sisters, and all that they had been of his acquaintance before. Acquaintance before, and he did eat bread with him. Everybody ate bread in with his him. house. His house. They bemoaned him, brought him all comforted him, yes, sir. over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Yes. Every man also gave him a piece of money. Give him some money, and everyone an earring of gold. Everything an earring of gold. Couldn't wear it. Go ahead, so, read on. So the Lord blessed the Lord latter what? end of Job. The Lord what? He blessed told the latter end of Job. Go ahead. More than his beginning. He blessed him more what? In than his, his beginning. And he did in his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep. My, my, my. 6,000 camels. A thousand yoke of oxen. Twice as many. A thousand she asses. Twice as many. He had also seven sons and three seven daughters. Seven sons and three guys. Job's ending was greater than his beginning, but he turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Let me explain his friends. Biggest critics he ever had. Yeah, right. When he prayed for his friends, God turned his captivity. Help us, Lord. <laughs> Hear it. Not only this is such a beautiful thing, but if you look at, if you look at Job, if you notice what the Lord God said about him, a perfect and an upright man, one that hated evil, with evil, and feared the Lord. Here's a perfect man, but when Job saw God in the light of his own inadequacies, he said, behold, I hate myself. I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. 
we don't need comparison with one another. We need to get in his presence and say, my God, turn the searchlight on. Let me see you in your holiness. And if you see God in his holiness, you'll hate every evil way about you. And you'll despise all the envy and the feelings and the serious emotional Feelings that are developed because of your own distinct Adamic nature. It is not God in the church to hate. It's God in the church to love. <laughs> Who should have more than the love of God but then a truth loving people? Who should demonstrate more the love of God to everybody than a truth-loving people? Who should have open arms for all kinds of people but the church of the living God? Who should have that great feeling of reaching for others, downtrodden and broken, but those that have been redeemed? It's part of it. It's part of the nature. Oh, hear it. They did not, listen, they could not have that banquet of the marriage supper until they filled the table. And when the first folks did not accept the invitation, he said, go out in the highways and the byways and bring in the halt, the lame, and everybody that has no kind of invitation and bring them. You're never going to sit at the revival banquet till that kind of spirit gets in your life. Here, we, we have some Pentecostal sophisticates. God, help us. I mean, blessed? Money? That's some of you folks could buy this church and sell it. That's right. Right sitting in this audience. You say, who is that? I'm not going to tell you. But they're here. And they got it, friend. And they got it and they could do it. But that doesn't mean that you should not keep that tender, merciful feeling and that ability to share. Because God bless you with his redeeming love and then let you be a part of a law. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All things shall be added unto you. He'll add to you. Look what I have done. You didn't do it. It was the goodness of God. You didn't do it. It was the goodness of God. That elder brother, when the prodigal came home, friend, we've got them in our churches. They know more about folks in the church than God does. That is the truth. And if you want to get what who is and who isn't, just ask one of these pew sitters that sit in the same place every night, round out their little groove in the pew, and they can tell you everybody and everything in the church, what's good and what's not good. And when some hippie comes in and gets the Holy Ghost and walks out jumping and shouting, said, when he gets as old as I am in the Lord, he won't jump and shout like that. Oh, you pew sitter. Oh, you stage thing. Oh, you man that has gotten this self-righteous attitude. Hey, I've been at home. I've been at home all these years. You never killed a fatted calf for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
is now found and it is meet for us to rejoice. Meet for us to rejoice. He has come home. Oh. Oh, let me close. You'll not see his face till you bring your brother. You're not going to see revival till that spirit comes to you. All self-seeking has to go. All unholy ambitions have to go. All ecclesiastical big shots. They got to go. Everything that has that nature has to be planed down, made even, so that God can look at a church and say, there's that repenting, powerful, loving church. I'm going to use them for a multitude of souls. The clock of life is wound but once. No man has the power. To tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour. To lose one's wealth is sad indeed. To lose one's health is more. To lose one's soul is such a loss that no man can restore. In the time it took to read this, 40 people died. They died without hearing the gospel. And we're the church. I don't know if you ever know this, but I picked it up the other day and I didn't know that Patrick, I didn't know that Patrick Henry, this is the last statement of his will. I've now disposed of all my property to my family. There's one thing more I wish I could give them and that is faith in Jesus Christ. If they had that and I had not given them one shilling, they would have been rich. And if they had not faith in Jesus Christ, and I had given them all the world, they would be poor indeed. Unworthy, unworthy to be his child. I feel like weeping before the Lord. Want to weep before him. Oh, Brother Urshan, what mistakes have you made in a lifetime? Too many. Too many. What judgments have you made that you'd like to call back? Too many. I wish I could. I wish I could go back and pull some things out of a situation that I sat in austerity and judged another. I wish I could. I wish I could say to Almighty God, everything I did, I did it with your approval. I can't say it. And I feel stricken. I feel so bad. I want my brother to be saved. I want to see his face. No more presumptuous sinning. No more stepping over bonds that don't belong.
คะแนน
acapella, no music. Reach over and touch yeah. it. 